Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program. Broadcasting live every Sunday from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Here he is again, Mike Novak. It's madness. Uh, we uh, have a, um, I don't know, a, a boatload. We have a boatload, but we've got starship load. A starship load. Audrey has brought something That's really right. special for you, Mike. Oh, no. Uh, Audrey is here in the studio. Audrey Fisher from the uh, Chicago Astronomical Society and other ventures. Uh, and what have you, you got a box of something here. Oh, we have we got it all. We have so many boxes it wouldn't even fit in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but you've got one in particular here. Treat says the Mike Nowak show. Oh, all my. printed oh, in. Oh no! All printed in brownies with star sparkles. Oh my goodness! All right, now see, I'm gonna we're gonna have to do a little. Uh, wow. And uh, we have another one. Uh, we're, we're, oh, we're missed. Some of the letters are out of order here. Okay. Well, it's, they kind of jumble. They, they, ju- they jump around here. Here we go. <laughs> it's uh, the Mickey Nowak Where's Nowak the K? Show. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> and the S-H-O-W is in the other box. So. All right. All right. Wait, wait. Uh, I got I got it. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and we also have some... Um, cannoli with an ice cream thing to go to match the green mic. Show, Are you right? kidding me? You brought cannolis? Yeah, and they're in your in your. Uh, oh my gosh! Here's the other box. And this one oh, says, "There's the show. The show has arrived." Get the other one on the table, and it says, "Drum roll, star roll." Can we say it? Starry Chicago. All right. In Start. honor of these awesome students, I, I can't I can't tell you how pr- excited I am for their initiatives. There it is. See. Oh my Starry goodness. Starry Chicago. There with are chocolate. so many. Everybody's going to have to take a brownie before they leave. We <laughs> once we get a photograph of it, everybody gets a brownie. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, see, uh, and I sent uh, George. And Peggy, the photo of the cookies you sent, yeah. you brought the last time you were on my show. Oh, yeah. So now I don't even need, they don't even need that photo because we've got the Mike Novak show brownies. <laughs> you are a very, very interesting lady. You know that, well, uh, Audrey. I'm a Chicagoholic and a Chocoholic, so here we are. It's combined. <laughs> uh, Diane, are you able to kind of understand what uh, what's going on here? Oh, yeah, I'm following. Okay, because uh, we're about to post on uh uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and you will see uh, all the the photos because uh, my uh, my crack staff here, and I say that because they're all on crack. Uh, <laughs> are, be on sugar shortly. They're on, on sugar exactly, which is the same thing. It's, it's just as bad. Uh, and that's Diane Turnshek. She's an astronomy teacher in the physics department of Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, how do you know Diane, Audrey? Well, uh, she's an astronomer, and um, and we actually both had presentations recently in Hawaii at the International Astronomical Union General Assembly, and uh, both on the same subject matter of light pollution abatement and the effort to resource starlight over even cities. And it used to be that nobody even thought it was possible to resource starlight over cities, and only very recently it is it is totally um, 
for the first time really in humanity's life, we can responsibly light the streets to be effective lighting, and we can restore starlight over cities, and we're finding so many reasons why we should do it. Even, even not to say that just a starry night, beautiful sky isn't worth it just all on its own. And I, I literally, I tripped across a story on the internet that showed that Pittsburgh, and she'll tell you about it, is in the process of restoring starlight over that city with the backup of the community. Even, even the most diehard people that care about uh, light pollution thought it was impossible to restore starlight over a city. That was just a pipe dream. And, and now it's proven it isn't, and, uh, and I believe this and, city is And where was it proven it. that it isn't? Well, we have the technology. I hope that um, I hope we can get a hold of Michael Seminovich, or we should meet with him another time. Uh, uh, let's he, see if uh, Diane's here. Diane, are you with me? Yes, I am. Yay! I, I can also try switching computers. Ah, what was that? I could also try switching computers. You know what? You you, you sound great. We're just gonna we're just oh. gonna we're gonna go with that. You, you took my head off with that. Uh, uh, I had no idea it was gonna be that loud. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. All right, so um, we're and we're going to get to the, to the kids in a second. No problem. You know, you're you're going to have your say. I'm going to make sure you have your say here on the show. Uh, but Audrey Fisher from the uh, uh, Chicago Astronomical Society and uh, Diane Turncheck is on the phone from Carnegie Mellon University, and they have hooked up because Pittsburgh began. Uh, first of all, I should say that the city of Chicago recently announced that it wants to uh, change out all the lights. 270,000. 270,000. So they're taking, you know, RFPs and and having meetings, and the only person stopping them from blasting all this light into the sky are the people in this room, basically, okay? It seems like it. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, but you're the kind of person, Audrey, who's brought it to their attention. And then uh, the uh, the students uh, from Starry Chicago at Abinson uh, High School uh, uh, have also put uh, a presentation together, which we will talk about in a second. But before all that, Pittsburgh did this in 20, what, 2010, 2011, Diane? So we did change out some of the lights because we had a grant and it was a timely thing. We had to spend money and we changed out some 4,500 lights incorrectly. We just took existing existing poles and stuck LEDs in them instead of the sodium vapor and they are glary and awful. And at that point, people went, whoa, if we're going to do this, we need to do it right. And so that's when Carnegie Mellon got involved and the mayor's office, the sustainability department, and we ran this huge study, uh, research study, in the best practices for changing out the other 40,000 and the ones already changed correctly uh, with shielding and no glare and trying to keep the LED temperature down a little lower, more at the International Dark Sky Association recommendation, which is 3,000, 4,000 in the business districts perhaps. But we learned from doing it wrong initially 
a few lights to um, and, and other cities who have done it just awfully, uh, turning the uh, the night into day basically and scattering. So Rayleigh scattering says that blue light scatters more easily in our atmosphere than red light, and so these new LEDs typically have more bloom in them. And people think that if you make the night look like day, it's safer. Yeah, you know, you, you've raised only like, in their heads, <laughs> right? Right, and you've raised about uh, a dozen points there. Okay, <laughs> uh, all all at once, which which uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to encapsulate into a, a statement here. A um, a lot of cities are starting to change out their lighting because they can save money by using LEDs, and, and it's a fact because they they require less energy, and and cities need to save money. And you say, okay, that's good. That's the good part. That's the good news. The bad news is, as you said, Diane, they're doing it wrong. Why is it they're doing it wrong? Well, because they don't. They're not paying attention to anything except the energy savings on it. They're not paying attention to where the light is going. They're not uh, uh, retrofitting the devices, what do you call them, the, la- uh, the shields uh, on the lights, uh, which I saw. In, and I looked at part of that study uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, and uh, that was one of the, the criticisms. Uh, and as you said, they, they replaced a bunch of these and got them wrong. Uh, and the problem is, and I want to get to those numbers that you brought up, Diane, and, and Audrey's here can help uh, clarify that. Folks will say, well, what's the problem? You know, we're going to save money, and that's, that's what a, a municipality is going to do. The mis- municipality is going to come in, and their people are going to go, well, it's all about saving money. All the rest is gravy. Yeah, what's the ROI? Our, what's the ROI? Exactly. Ah, if you use that term. Everybody know what ROI is? It means return on investment. Okay. How soon till we get our money back? Every time people come to me in my radio show and, they, and I try to get them to be an advertiser and they say, well, what's the ROI? I, I, I just like, I shut down. It's like, okay, we're done. If you, if you don't know what the ROI on this show is, then I can't help you. Um, but the same thing happens in these cities. So we need to point out why... Starlight, why um, the the random glare that we why, why starlight's important, why random glare is not good. Um, who wants to start in there? Maybe one of the students here from Edmonton High School, from uh, Starry Chicago. Who wants to jump up and tell me why it's a bad thing um, to have all this random light out there? And your name is. My name is Yalom. Um, so one of the reasons, well, one of the effects that light pollution has on... Yeah, you've got to talk right oh, yeah. into it. Okay. I'm sorry. So one of, the, one of the effects of light pollution is that it disrupts the migratory um, cycle of birds um, because of artificial light. Well, birds rely on um, light, especially um, during the night, just to um, travel. So a lot of times these, this artificial light that's emitted um, through the glare and everything, it, uh, it impacts where they go, and this leads them to collide in buildings, and that's why a lot of them end up dying. You see a lot of dead birds. And also, I mean, there's also a lot of um, neurological effects. Um, it also impacts our circadian rhythm. San- the Stanford Epidemiology Research Center just published a recent um, research uh, paper on 
all of those impacts and how it may even lead to depression um, and all, and depression in birds. No, no, depression in people. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kidding you. And, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of but for birds to be depressed too if yeah, they go whacking into buildings. Oh, that's yeah, that's very depressing. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but 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 in terms of human beings, there are physical. Pro- <laughs> you're, you're, you're laughing at you're me. You're cracking Aud- up, Audrey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but there are problems. There are physiological problems that happen in human mm-hmm. beings. Yes. And psychological problems as well. Of course. But the physiological problems are, extend beyond depression. They, you know, I, uh, uh, my buddy uh, Bill Turk uh, texted me earlier uh, about this. And uh, let me see what uh, he says. A number of significant health issues associated with light saturation, stress, weight gain, sleep disorders, depression, heart disease, cancer. Uh, and you're, not, you're all nodding. Anybody want to address that? Well, I, personally, I have a cancer history myself. So this is near and dear to my heart. And, and I can tell you two, two essential things. One, without a doubt, it does dramatically increase your risk for breast cancer, colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, some lymphomas, and, uh, and so much more. But not only that, if you are a cancer patient, Dr. Blask, who was a guest on this show um, the last time. Right, the last time you and I talked here. Right, in, from Tulane, his research studies, since we've seen you last, um, proved that if your cancer patient sleeping in a room with a street light filtering in through typical bedroom curtains, your cancer chemotherapy treatment will be will be rendered ineffective. So because if, of street lights. Be, yes, because of what, what it does, and not to say it's only street lights that can do this. You can do it if you have a hallway light on that's filtering in your room, or if you leave the TV on. Any light except a dim amber or dim red. So if we can get any message clear to the folks listening today that could give an impact for their safety, their family, and their loved ones right now, it is to, if you're a cancer patient, honest to God, please sleep in a dark room, a room that's so dark you can't see the hand in front of your face, unless it's a dim amber or dim red nightlight. If you're Red can- works. Uh, that was one of the things that, uh, Diane, you, you mentioned in your TED Talk. We were talking earlier on the show and, uh, about, about which of us in the room wanted to do a TED Talk, and we pretty much all wanted to do a TED Talk. Um, yeah, she's amazing. So I, I was impressed by that. But you mentioned in that that red light um, is a good way to go. But uh, And I will direct this to Diane. If you use red light, who's using it? Because you're not going to use it as a street light. Or you're not going to use it to try to read by. What are you using red light for, Diane? Well, actually, there are computer programs now that will dim all your screens, your phone, and everything to an amber color so that it doesn't affect your melatonin production. And there is also, if you take the street lights down to 3,000 Kelvin, you're limiting all the blue light out of the spectrum there. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's stop right there because that's where people's eyes glaze over. Uh, people mm-hmm. who are lis- li- <laughs> listening and who say, what, Kelvin, 3,000? What are we talking about? So what we need to explain to them right now is what are the street lights at right now and and how would they would they be changed and 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 you mentioned you know blue light you've mentioned red light you've mentioned kelvin uh can we get a sense of what we have and what we need to change to 
Yes. Um, so people have this impression that things that are like fire are hot. So when you're talking about clothing or makeup, you talk about warm tones, pink inside a room, and you think of the warm tones as being like orange and red and cool tones as being blues and greens. Well, that's exactly opposite what I'm talking about. So scientists use the actual temperature of the light. So Kelvin is like centigrade, only it starts at a different point. It starts at absolute zero, minus 273 Kelvin. Uh, centigrade is zero Kelvin. But the blue is the hotter light just like blue stars are hotter and red stars are cooler. So generally, the the high-pressure sodium, the ones that are out there now that people are changing, they're at 2,200 Kelvin. The ones that we want to put in, we don't want to go any higher than 3,000 Kelvin. Those are still in the yellow-orange area. The streetlights that some people are putting in now are going up as high as 6,000 or 7,000 Kelvin, which is way blue, bluer than even moonlight. So what we want to do is keep the light to uh, a warm tone but a cooler temperature. And the problem there is that business owners are the only ones against it. Here we are fighting against the creep of light pollution, and everybody is on our side, everybody you talk to. There's, there's no pushback, except for business owners who think safety goes with brighter lights. And even after scientific studies show that there is no correlation, in fact, there may even be an anti-correlation there, that nobody goes and is does criminal acts in places where there's no light at all. Criminals don't like to walk around and their flashlight be the only visible light. So what we have to do is we have to change people's perception of what is a safe amount of light and why making the night just like day is not the safest thing to do. Okay. Um and when you talk about blue light, you're talking about the temperature of the lamp, not necessarily tint or anything like that. Is that is is that the as the the more energy is put into the the uh, the lamp and the light, it shifts in the spectrum. Is that right, Diane? Right, that's right. So white light LEDs can be a composite of blue LEDs and green LEDs red LEDs, and sometimes they even put amber LEDs in there. So it's not only temperature. It's actually a mix, a mix of the colors. So in order to have drivers be safe when they're driving and have enough light to see, you have to have the right color mix in there as well as the right intensity of the light. And it actually, studies show that it's better if you have patches of light and then variations like a little darkness, a little light, a little darkness, a little light, because it helps people to uh, see distance better and it helps older drivers whose eyes don't adjust as well to, to not hit glare, uh, which, which just 
shuts down their pupils, um, shuts down the, the iris of the eye, so you cannot see the uh, the light at all. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm I'm going to blindness. I want to go to the team here um, from uh, Starry Chicago. Is that something you guys talked about in your report and what you're doing? In fact, I, I need to uh, address the, your presentation that you're going to be doing. Did you guys talk about crime at all? Is that involved? Um, actually, yes, we did. Hi, and my name's Justin. Justin. Hi, Justin. So uh, my partner and I, uh, we went to a Chicago Infrastructure Trust meeting where they were making claims about the uh, lights that they're going to be implementing into the Chicago region. That The claim was that not only will it be uh, energy efficient and cost saving, it would cut down the time it would uh, need to be able to repair the lights. For instance, um, one of your standard lights would take about a few days or so to repair, especially in those areas that need it the most where uh, crime is most prevalent in the, the dark where um, implementing the LEDs that they're going to be doing, they're going to be able to do so uh, repairs in about a few hours. So that would save, generally speaking, a lot of time for those people that need it the most. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about um, that, and I'm going to get to Chicago Infrastructure Trust um, uh, in a a second, too. Um, But let's start here because you guys are in the studio. So we've got Yalom. And Justin and Natalia. Natalia, uh, and uh, Natalia, maybe you can tell me about the competition itself. You um, and and how your group got involved in it. All right. So basically, um, there's this institute named the Aspen Institute, and every year they issue a new city. Um, this thing called the Aspen Challenge. So basically, what the Aspen Challenge is is they pick 20 high schools from the city, like for Chicago, they picked 20 high schools all around the city, and they issued them six challenges to choose from. We chose David Ling Challenge, uh, challenge which was to illuminate the unknown in our community. And, we, and, th- and that, was, that was a figurative way of putting it. Yeah. You know, when you say, you, okay, so you, when he said illuminate the unknown, it really didn't have anything to do with light and light fixtures, but that's where you went with this. Yes, so Miss um, Murray, our coordinator... Um, she basically teaches a lesson every um, in her freshman class at the end of her um, of the school year, basically about light pollution, and it is just such an unknown. I had no idea what it was, and we just had the bright idea to just basically go with it. And what we did, we created a program that teaches, advocates, and tries to stop light pollution. All right, I'm going to ask you each of you a question: Yalom, Natalia, and Justin. And I guess Colleen uh, in the back, uh, I, Audrey, uh, you all, uh, and 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 Diane. I know your answers already. Had you guys ever seen the Milky Way before you started this project? No, I never have before. I imagine it's beautiful, though. Oh, you still haven't seen it? No. Now, see, I would I would have figured you guys would do a field trip, get out someplace dark, so you could see the Milky Way. Well, actually, one of our well, our ultimate goal with the program um, is after we educate the kids and just create awareness, we, we hope to, after we fund the trips, we hope to take them out into these beautiful, like, dark sky friendly areas where, and hopefully the Milky Way, where they can really experience um, a true dark sky. Well, you know, if you go to Colorado, you just duck behind a mountain. <laughs> and, and, and it's true. I mean, they're, uh, I'll have to tell you something. Um, uh, Diane, in your in your TED talk, you talked about 
you you you're doing this Mars thing where you where you simulate what it would be like to live on Mars, which is pretty cool in itself. But to do that, you went out to the desert in the Southwest, and you were amazed at how the Milky Way popped out at you. Can you describe that a little bit? Oh, it was it was amazing. The, the desert where we were in Utah was so far from anywhere else. Uh, I went to graduate school at the University of Arizona, and I observed up on Peak, and I've been to many observatories where the sky is beautiful, but this this was just breathtaking. We had some nights that the atmosphere was still, and the stars, there were just thousands of stars. You, you couldn't pick out constellations. There were just too many stars. And you could literally see a shadow cast by the Milky Way. It was one of the best times that I've ever seen the Milky Way. And I, I do take my students, my astronomy students at my astronomy club at CMU, and there's an astronomy club at Pitt now that's joining us uh, to go to NRAO, the National Radio Astronomical Observatory. Every year we get a bus and go down there so that students can see the Milky Way for the first time. I love that you students are doing this. I am so thrilled <laughs> to hear you. And you're, so well, I'm I'm completely impressed, and I do hope you get to see the Milky Way soon. So one of the goals is maybe not to see the Milky Way from downtown Pittsburgh, but we're trying to at least Why make not? the circle smaller that yeah. you have to drive out of the city to see it. Well, you can't, uh, you know, and if you if you live around Chicago, see, it depends on the size of the city. And in in Chicago, you got to go out. Well. It, it helps if you can go to the lakefront because you can look east and you can see something, but there's still a lot of glow. Uh, but, you know, you've got to drive 60, 70, 100 miles mm. away from the city of Chicago to see anything at all. Let me tell you a story um, about my own experience. And, and one of the things, people look at uh, these photos taken from space of the dark side of the planet Earth, and it's all lit up. And I think a lot of folks go, ooh, isn't that cool? And I'm screaming, no, it's not cool. That's the problem. There's too much light. And if you look at certain points of the country, like you said, Diane, you go out to Utah and you could actually see the stars. I used to have a vacation home on the Olympic Peninsula of Washington State. Okay, so this was in the Olympic uh, mountain range and um, on a glacier-fed lake, a town of 900 in virtually no glare at all. Now, we were surrounded by 300-foot-tall trees, so there was like a narrow gap. You could, there wasn't, there wasn't sea to shine, you know, it wasn't vista, okay? It was like you could look straight up and maybe see some stars, but when you did, you saw the Milky Way. Even in this narrow little band um, in between the trees, you could see it, because, and it's not about the trees, it's about what ambient light is there and that is just something everybody needs to experience uh, because it's part of being human it's part of of our connection not just to our planet but to our universe we have no connection to our universe anymore and it's very interesting because um, uh, a few weeks ago at the top of the show I, I ran a piece of some uh, astrophysicist or, or astronomer uh, 
uh, does a blog, and he said that in a couple of billion years, all the rest of the galaxies are going to have receded from us. So the only thing we're going to be aware of is our own galaxy. We're not even going to be able to see with the, the best telescopes that there was ever anything like a universe. Our universe will consist of our only our own galaxy. Now, will we be around in a billion years? Probably not. But, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen uh, if, if that happens. So at least now... We have telescopes. We can see other galaxies. We can see the remnants of the Big Bang. All of that will be gone. That will be erased. And what we will think is the, the universe consists of just our super galaxy because we will merge with Andromeda galaxy. And it will become whatever it becomes, which was just that blew my mind, of course. So while we're here, we have to, to, to be cognizant of the universe around us. And if we can't see it. How are we cognizant of it? So, all right, uh, we only have a few more minutes, but the gang in, in the room here from Starry Chicago, and let me introduce, reintroduce everybody. Audrey Fisher is here. How do you want to be introduced, Audrey? I'm president of Chicago Astronomical Society. Okay, so you're the president. I didn't realize you were the president of the Chicago Astronomical Society. Only for another month, and my term max is out. Okay, <laughs> all right, so Audrey, else. Chicago Astronomical Society. On the phone, we have Diane Turncheck, who's an astronomy teacher at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, and in the room, we have Yalom and Natalia and Justin from Starry Chicago. In the back of the room, we have uh, uh, Colleen Murray, who uh, helped guide them through all this. You guys, um, the team now, tell me what you're going to do in Colorado and how you're going to win this prize. Uh, well, technically speaking, there is no other prize to be won. Well, then just... forget it. Don't go. <laughs> well, uh, besides... if, if there's not going to be a prize. i tell you what. If you win, you get chocolate brownies. I got them right here. All right. Well, I'll keep you to that. I'll come okay. back. But uh, we hope to spread our awareness of light pollution in this our community and, uh, well, ultimately to receive some help for future funding for our programs. And uh, we're also advocating for, um, what was it, uh, much more awareness in the city. So mm -hmm. we hope that in Aspen we can gather some people that would uh, ultimately help us in our adventures. Uh, and when you're looking for people to help you, you know, obviously you want to spread the word to other cities so that other right. cities start doing what we're trying to do here in Chicago, right? Right. Now, you said you've met with the C CIT? Uh, CIT, Chicago Infrastructure Trust. Okay. Yes. What was that like? And, and those are the people who are basically shepherding this thing. This light change in Chicago, right? Yeah, they're so they're behind it all. Yeah, yeah, uh, they, and they're appointed by the mayor. Is that it? Uh, private funding and also government. So yes. Okay. What was that like to to talk to them? Uh, well, in a room full of people that have this much power, it's kind of <laughs> a little bit uh, cons it's stressful. It's a, a lot of pressure, but um, they're very. Um, aware of what they want to do. However, they're not aware of what it's going to do. I feel like uh, when I was at that meeting, they were hitting all the points that would, you know, pop up in someone's mind. Oh, you know, crime rates are going to go up if we don't do this. Uh, there's, we got to save some money for Chicago. We got to implement this. We got to implement that. But I think that at that meeting, they were thinking about just so much into the people that they forget that the people also have a saying too. They forget that there's something else that we want out of this. We want to see the stars. Did you have any sense that they even understood that this would be an issue when they started talking about changing out the lights in Chicago? 
Yalom? I wasn't at the meeting, but yeah, I think that um, they weren't really aware of... I think a lot of times when you're... Uh, they, they were mostly thinking of how it would be cost-effective, but they, they don't always think about, oh, how will this affect our ecosystems? And we're part of um, all of that. So I think I, they weren't aware of all of the, the repercussions of their decisions. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, Audrey? The one thing I'd like to say is that they've been responsive. Oh, good. They're they're listening. I mean, I could I could just jump a jig, and and I really honestly believe that Chicago is the people in charge are getting the message, and this will be the largest installation of LED lighting in the world, and and we already have the reputation of being the most light-polluted city on the planet, don't that, we? That's a fact. It's a published fact. Yeah, and hey, do we get a ding for it? Th- no, I'm not no, going to No, let's not ding no, that no, no. and save these dings because <laughs> we're, we're, I'm telling you that I, I believe it in my heart that Chicago's going to seize the opportunity and restore starlight, starlight over this town it will save money. We will be able to. We will have effective, efficient lighting. We're going to avoid the mistakes that other cities made, like Pittsburgh. They're, they sure they made a mistake at the beginning. Uh, Davis in California made a mistake in the bidding. Phoenix. LA Phoenix made a mistake. Because, why? Because the lighting manufacturers knew it was cheaper and easier for them to produce blue rich lighting. And that's why they're pushing the blue lights. And now that all the research is coming up, how bad it is for the environment, they ought to pull them. They ought to pull every single one of those lights. We don't have to go that route. We can learn from their pitfalls and install 3,000 Kelvin or less. And the, the other cool thing is too bad we couldn't get Michael Semenich on because he's an expert in adaptable lighting. Well, you know, maybe this is... For a future show, yeah. we, we'll, oh, we'll line him up ahead of time so that we can get him yeah. here. Uh, I do want to go back to you before I let you go, Diane. What about where Pittsburgh stands? What's the future? Um, you said they didn't quite get it right in the rollout of this. Are they working to fix it? Yes, there are there are committees in force that are going to absolutely get it right. One of the things I want to suggest for the students and Audra. Um, we went through the arts. That was one of the ways that we tried to get people on board. Uh, I had four different astronomy and space art exhibits at different places around the city. And these galleries were gorgeous. But the artists were painting nebulas and star fields and planets. And while they were painting, I would talk about light pollution. And we had a bunch of light pollution demos, and the arts community in Pittsburgh just embraced it. We had so much fun this past year painting astro journals and just having displays up at many spots around the city, and that might be something you can think of. We also took telescopes and diffraction grading glasses with emission tubes to places like the zoo because this light affects animals, and zoos and aviaries and aquariums, they're very happy to have people come in and talk about this. Um, there, there are places that you wouldn't think that you can go and people just love to hear your stories. And so 
think outside of the box. I guess that's my, my message for the students. Don't just go to schools like everybody goes to schools, but you know, think what other parts of the community, the, um, the old, uh, in Pittsburgh we have uh, Osher College, which is 55 years of age and older, and people maybe in nursing homes that remember the way the skies were. <laughs> so people that you might not think uh, to first hit. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Diane Turncheck uh, from uh, Carnegie Mellon University. I hope we talk again uh, soon because uh, I want to continue this. We need to we need to push forward uh, in Chicago for the right lighting. And uh, you good, can good luck to you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and uh, let's. Uh, you have a great day and go see some stars. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Bye. And uh, in the, okay, before I let you all go here in the studio, now I'm counting on you to Instagram this and to tweet this and to Facebook this. It takes your photos now before you leave the studio. So now you got all this. I'm gonna. I think they can Snapchat too. Oh no, not Snapchat. That's uh, okay. Go ahead, Snap. You can Snapchat as, if you want as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I want to thank uh, you guys uh, for being here. Uh, as well, again, Yalom, Natalia, Justin, Colleen Murray, um, of course, Audrey Fisher, who, uh, who insta- who's the instigator. She's the, <laughs> she's the chief instigator, but uh, I'm very interested in this, and I want you guys – oh, and by the way, I saw a really very funny tweet just came across. Um, let's see if I can find it here. From uh, Anthony. Do you know Anthony Yaris, anybody? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anthony writes, who would have thought something like the Milky Way could be so elusive? Hashtag darn humans. I like that. So, yeah, it is elusive. We need to we need to find it again. So thank you all for coming in. Like I said, okay, yes, go ahead. Oh, and we're Amundsen High School. Rolled Amundsen, not Evanston. No, no, I said Amundsen. I'm, I just didn't pronounce it correctly. I mean, I mean, it, it, it is Amundsen. Did what? Oh, it was in the tweet. Ah, George's fault. <laughs> no brownies for you. Delete that and then put, yeah, it's Amundsen. And A-M-U-N-D-S-E-N, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, and you guys are the Viking net, is, isn't yeah, yeah, oh, we're Vikings. Vikings. Yeah, Vikings. You're the Vikings? I was looking on, on, the, on the website uh, the other day. But, uh, yeah, it's Amundsen High School. And, and let me make sure that folks also know that um, they can visit your project site, um, uh, starrynight.com, right? Uh, uh, starrynight.com. Uh, starrychicago.org. I'm sorry, star, star, night. Uh Starry, starry Chicago. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no. Be. Yeah, starrychicago.com. Uh, go to org. Fa- org. Yes. Okay, Let's try, okay. Right, let's try okay. it again. Okay. Starry Chicago. I've got. I should just click on it and then Starry Chicago. Star. Just look Starry Chicago. Just, just, just. You know, put it in the search engine and StarryChicago.org. Uh, also on Facebook. Uh, where else are you guys? Twitter and Instagram. Twitter and, and is it all just Starry Chicago? Yes. Very simple okay. and easy. Hey, listen. Thank you. Thank you all for for coming down. Thank all right. Now, us. now yeah, go crazy with us. your. Social media, so that uh, I'm all, I make sure I want at least ten likes on the Mike Novak show before the end of the day. Okay, at okay. least. We got okay. It. We got it. All right. That's what we're talking about. 